It's good to be in church this morning. I want to thank you very much for taking the time, the effort, the energy to get from wherever you were to this location today to worship the Lord with us. Something very special about church. And this month we're speaking about committed to the house of God, committed to the church of God. God has given us his word, his spirit, and his body. All three are very important for a successful Christianity. I want to be a successful Christian. Let me tell you something, you'll never stand stable apart from the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the house of God. You need, now a church is not a building, it's not a denomination, it's a body of people. I think it's important for us to understand something about the church. The church is not perfect. Uh, The only thing perfect about the church is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our head. And sometimes as stroke victims... Um, our experience sometimes, I was thinking about for the TJ up there, thank you TJ for being faithful, but as a teenager, TJ had a stroke, and, and it, was a, it was a challenging situation for him, and he's a good friend of our son Preston, and we love him, and I remember TJ strong, <laughs> uh, we want to be strong for TJ during that time, but one of the frustrating things with a stroke victim is your head, there's a disconnect from your head to some other part of your body. Your, your arm doesn't work correctly. Your foot is not responding well to the head. Now, that happens in church, too. Sometimes the, the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't have his complete way in our lives because we're don't, we don't respond. We're not responding to what God wants us to do. But the church is vital. And everyone who gets saved, if you're saved this morning, you know what you can thank? Not only the Lord Jesus Christ, but you can thank his church. Because the church is the pillar and ground of truth. No one gets saved apart from a local church, in my opinion. Either directly or indirectly, somebody has done their job. The job of the church is to protect and propagate the gospel of Jesus and his truth. There are some churches you couldn't find the truth there with a flashlight. (laughs) They've long lost the truth. You You could go up to the pastor and ask him, Can you show me how to get to heaven from here? Can you show me the verses of the Bible, how I can have eternal life? And he couldn't tell you. He's not necessarily a bad person, but they've lost the truth. He's went off to a seminary or a cemetery and got to to learn some things he shouldn't have learned about God and about the Word of God. He he learned some things that the virgin birth is not important. He's learned that the the, uh, sacrificial death of Jesus was not sufficient. He's learned that uh, God only saves a few people, not everybody who wants to be saved. Boy, you get into that situation, you're going to have all kinds of squirrely thinking. And you'll lose the truth. I was talking to a man recently, man, I'm going to find a place where the Word of God's being taught. Well, that's a good idea. (laughs) Find it and get in there and be a a part of the solution, not a part of a problem. Well, what is the church? What's the meaning of the church? The church is a called-out assembly of believers, people who have been saved, who have followed the Lord in baptism and are committed to serve the Lord in the local church, that's a, that's a church. Now, one day, every church flock and the flock of the whole world will one day be assembled in one church when Jesus calls us out. We'll be a called-up assembly. Now, I'm looking forward to that day. In the meantime, we're divided all over the world. This is a church this morning, and it meets on this campus, and we have a Spanish congregation, and we have a Chinese congregation that are meeting as we speak, and we've got teens that are meeting down the street and across the street, and, and we've got a, another campus over at City Baptist where there is junior churches taking place for young people from Chicago who are hearing the Word of God. We're one church. 
But here, there's other churches, and they don't have to be 5,000 people. They can be 50 people, or 5 people, or 15, or 75, or 250. It doesn't matter the size. You never judge a church by its size. You judge it by its Christ-likeness. Does it have Christ-likeness? The Bible says you'll be judged of what sort, not what size. Now, I think it's important that, that more people do what God wants them to do. We pray and we witness and we live holy lives. Then more people are going to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And every church ought to be a growing church. Ought to be adding people. If you don't grow, you don't win people to Christ, you'll die by attrition. Just can't stand around and sing kumbaya and look at each other and watch each other fall off the planet. Somebody's got to go out and tell folks about Christ. And that, quite frankly, is, uh, that's the message of the church, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you sharing the gospel? I talked to a man who told me this week, he said, I, I got invited to work in the bus, in the, uh, in, the, in the truck stop ministry. He said, I think, Pastor, I've given out more gospel tracts in the last several months of being a part of the truck. And yesterday he went around to every truck in a Petro's truck stop and other places, knocking on the door, getting someone's attention. Listen, I want to give you a gospel track. In here it tells you the word of God. It tells you how you can know you have eternal life. There's a chapel meeting tomorrow morning. You can come to the church. He went through that with all those trucks. He said, I think I've given more gospel tracks and more witnesses in the last several months than I have in 20 years of being saved. Boy, you ought to give gospel tracks. You ought to talk to people about Christ. Every conversation ought to entail the gospel of Jesus and say, Lord, what can I do to get someone the gospel? I heard a good man the other day. He says when he talks to people, he said, the best day of my life, someone cared about me and showed me the verses in the Bible that told me how I could know for sure I was going to heaven, how I could have peace with God. And then he asked, has anyone ever showed you those verses? Would you like to see them? And boy, he leads into the gospel. That doesn't seem very difficult, does it? Well, many of us, I think if we ask that question, there'd be more people going to heaven. There'd be more people having peace with God. I was speaking this morning to our discipleship group, and, and we have tonight at 5 o'clock, if you haven't taken the lesson on discipleship, on baptism, they'll meet with you right over there, and we'll help you with that. But this morning, we were talking about Acts chapter 8. Here's a guy, his name is, we don't know his name, he is the king, uh, queen of Ethiopia's, Candace, the queen of Ethiopia's treasurer. He has been to Jerusalem to worship. He comes back empty, but he's got a scroll. And the scroll is that of Isaiah. And he's reading the Bible. And the Spirit of God puts a soul winner to run up to him and say, Hey, sir, do you understand what you're reading? He said, How can I understand it? Unless someone guide me, unless someone explains to me. You understand it? He said, I do. He said, Get up here and ride with me for a while. And he opens the Bible and teaches him about Jesus. God's putting together divine appointments. Was listening to a man the other day, and he went knocking on doors. On the sixth door that he knocked, and talking to people about Jesus, the first five, some people were home, they weren't home, some were not interested. He said, well, thank you very much for your time. Maybe you can read this later. They took the track, and then moved on. On the sixth door he knocked on, TJ came to the door. And TJ, he said, uh, he said look, I'm just going through the neighborhood praying for people. It's been a difficult year. I'd like to be able to pray with you. Is there a pressing need that you have? And he said, yeah, my girlfriend had, had knee surgery, and she's back here, and we're praying for her. He said, before I pray, the best day of my life, someone showed me how I could get to heaven from here. Has anyone ever showed you the verses of Scripture? He said, you know what? I've been praying for four years, every single day, that someone would show me how to get to heaven from here, how I could have eternal life. He said, well, this is your lucky day. <laughs> and he went through the gospel and showed TJ how to be saved. 
I wonder how many people are waiting in the sphere of my influence and yours if someone would just simply be interested, prayerful, sensitive to the angel and and the prompting of the Holy Spirit of God to talk to someone about the Lord. Hey, listen, the meaning of the church is a called out assembly. The message of the church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, you can do, the church has, has started hospitals, but hospitals, and there are many institutions. There's commerce institutions. There's healing institutions of hospitals. There's educational institutions. But the church's main message is to get people the gospel of Jesus Christ. We get so distracted and hung up with all this and that and everything else, we forget the gospel is the message of the church. The mission of the church is to make disciples. It's not to make me feel fuzzy-wuzzy or you feel fuzzy-wuzzy. It's not just when I want a place to raise my kids. Now, I like raising kids. I got nine of them. Now, I thank God. I believe the local church is one of the best places you can do that. But that's not really what, that's not your hope. Your, your kids are made to be disciples. <laughs> you want to keep them strong in the word of God. That's one of the reasons why I believe in Christian education. So I don't want to shovel my kids off into a place that seven and a half hours they can hear humanism and evolution and and perversion that goes on. I want to do what I can to give them a Christian education in my home or in our institutions that a Christian school will do. But we're trying to make disciples. That's the mission of the church. The power of the church comes through the Holy Spirit of God. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Hey, listen, where's the power of the whole church? Number one, it comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, it comes from the Word of God. What the Bible says is very powerful. If you got saved, you got saved because someone showed you the Bible. And it blew up in your heart. Apostle Paul said in Romans 1 verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation. Let me tell you something, friends. When you look to the local church, you can know that his power should rest through the Spirit of God. And not just the pastor being spirit-filled, but certainly I have no excuse not to be. But you ought to be spirit-filled. You ought to be spirit-filled listeners. You ought to be spirit-filled participants. Spirit-filled givers. And, and friend, you can, you can find what you're looking for. You want to find something negative, you'll find it. Biggest room of this church is not this building. It's the room for improvement. There's lots of, there's lots of problems. You know, there's also a lot of blessings. We ought to look beyond our faults and see our needs and see the needs of people. We'll talk about that tonight a little bit in Acts chapter 3. I'm looking forward to it. But the, the, the power comes from the Spirit of God, from the Word of God. It also comes from the lives of its members. And many of us need to step up and live a life that is holy and committed to Christ. You know, people get their opinion of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ based upon me and you. There's lots of people that have never stepped foot in this church, but they have their opinion about this church because of me and because of you. How we pay our bills, how we love our families, how we treat our spouse, how we take care of our children, how we conduct our business, all of that. How we mow our lawns, how we take care of our homes, how we clean our car. People get opinions about you and I based upon our conduct. That's why the Bible says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example to believers. The power of a local church will be shown to the Holy Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the individual believers. And then by the contributions of God's people. Learning to give. What we see in the early church, the book of Acts, is a transitional book and an action-packed book. It is not necessarily a book that you would get major theological truths from for daily practice. 
That is found in the Pauline epistles and the general epistles primarily. It is a narrative. Dr. Luke, the, uh, the physician who traveled with the Apostle Paul, most likely from Philippi, maybe a little bit uh, earlier than that, in some that region of Macedonia, he was a doctor. And he was very used of God. He researched. And thank God for people who are, who are intensely passionate about getting the truth. He wrote the book of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts, two of the longest books of our New Testament. And he chronicles what happened in the life of Jesus in Luke and then what happened after Jesus went back to heaven, the book of Acts. We call it the early church. It starts with Jesus and his disciples and 120 believers there on, on Mount Olivet. And it ends with Paul in a rented house in Rome in the chapter 28. But it tells us a little bit about what God did in the life of believers after Jesus went back to heaven, after the Holy Spirit came down, after the people who were filled with the Holy Spirit went out and people came to Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful narrative. It's moving it's action-packed, it's transitional in nature, but very important. But we talked last week a little bit about lesson we can learn from the early church. I want to do a lesson, uh, I want to go to part two of that if we can. Last week I spoke to you about three things that we saw in the early church. Jesus goes back to heaven. The 120 go to a room for 10 days where they prayed and sought the Lord, and there was preaching, there was an emphasis on God's word, there was prayer, and then there was a, a passion to witness. That we find are three things. We see the servants. We see that no person in the house of God, in the work of God, is insignificant. Man, woman, poor, rich, single, married, it doesn't matter who you are. Every member of the church is significant. So no one is insignificant. Number two, no one is irreplaceable. If you fall off the planet or I fall off the planet, the church is going to go on. If half the church decides, I don't like it here, I'm moving somewhere else, the church will go on. No one's irreplaceable. We see that when Judas, a significant leader, he uh, fell off the planet. He died. He hung himself. Well, next man up. Next person was ready to go. And who is this person? Who the Holy Spirit wants? God is going to still work. It's his church. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's his. And we see the servants of the of church, they're not uh, insignificant, and they're not irreplaceable. We find that the staples of the church is the word of God, is prayer, and getting the gospel out. See, why we gather here? One of the reasons we gather here in this comfortable environment is to take the world that's not, take the gospel to a world that's not very comfortable, and get them exposed to the gospel. I can't save anybody, but I'm supposed to get people the gospel, and so are you. And then we find that the structure of the church revolves around three uh, particular things. Number one, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Number two, the leadership. There are leaders in a church, and you wouldn't want to be a part of a military where there are no leaders, where everybody's, everybody's generals. No, that would be ridiculous. You'd have anarchy. Leadership is something God structures from the very beginning of time. He did that in the home. He does that in the church. He does that in government. And the church revolves around three concepts. Number one, the lordship, Jesus Christ. Number two, leadership that God puts in the church, the pastors and the deacons. And then we find that it, it revolves around the third concept, and that's partnership. 
getting involved and doing something with God for the glory of God, for the reaching of the lost with the gospel of Christ. And boy, there's a lot of things that distract us from that. Boy, every opinion, everybody's got opinions. Opinions are like armpits. We all have them and some of them stink. <laughs> everybody's got them. And now we're in a day and time where everybody thinks they can say whatever they want to say, whether it be true or not true, whatever, and get their opinion out there. The truth of the matter is, wise is the Christian who makes the word of God and the things of God, his opinion, preeminent. Let's go real quickly. We find in chapter 2, the spirit of God comes down to the 120 people, and the word of God gets in their hearts. They leave that room. They go out and tell folks about Christ. They go out into the community, and they begin witnessing, and the Lord gives them a supernatural ability to speak and to be heard in languages they do not know. It's not jibber-jabbers. It's not the speaking in tongues that oftentimes we see in many charismatic churches. I don't believe that at all. I believe it is known tongues. He says, now listen, this is, how can I hear? Are you from my country? No, I'm from Galilee. How do you speak and I understand you in my language? My trailing. Now all the folks spoke Hebrew. They were Jewish people from all over the world. And it was a miraculous thing. And it brought what miraculous things and spirit-filled Christians will bring to the heart of people. Number one, they'll say, wow. Then they'll say, how? And then there will always be some who will mock. And they mocked. They said, these people are drunk with new wine. Kind of interesting thing. New wine means grape juice. It means juice that is not fermented yet. So I think the church there had a notable understanding that these people were not drinkers. And some smart aleck said, yeah, these guys are drunk on grape juice. Because you know they don't drink alcohol. By the way, I think that's a good idea for any Christian. Not to drink. Alcohol. So these guys are drunk on new wine. Nah, they're not even drinking, they're drunk. Peter gets up and under the Holy Spirit's influence... And with the words of God begins to speak to the Jewish ears and they begin to hear with their ears and boy, their heart is affected. Faith cometh by, hearing by. Look, if you would please at verse 37, we'll see quickly a few things I think can be helpful to us. Verse 37 now, when they had heard this, this preaching from, from Apostle Peter, they were pricked where? And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? It was that preaching that brought a response. And by the way, no response is still a response. When you hear the word of God, sister and sir, you should ask, what does God want me to do with what I just heard? Don't get a callous heart where you can hear what the Sunday school teachers teaches, where you can hear what the preacher preaches. And by the way, you were in Sunday school this morning, right? I hope all of you have enough uh, uh, spiritual fervor to get faithful to those areas. Provide your presence and your participation. But when you hear the Sunday school lesson, you ought to be able to go back and say, what did God want me to learn from that? I want to look that verse up again. I want to see that again. All of us ought to do that. He said, when they heard it, they were pricked, and they asked the question, what should we do with what we just heard? Peter responds with this. Would you look at verse 30, 38? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and ye receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's a great verse. It's a confusing verse if you don't see it in its context. Once again, he is speaking to Jewish people. Jewish people uh, is, is his audience. 
And by the way, he didn't say you have to be baptized so you can be, have your sins forgiven. That word for is important. If, for instance, if you say, well, we're arresting this man for a robbery. Well, you're saying he did this, and now we're going to arrest him. Or if you said, the Marine Corps is looking for a few good men. It's very different. One of them is trying to get people to join them. The other one is, is trying to apprehend them for something they've already done. He said, because your sins, that a good little word is a circle, circle four, and out in the margin of your Bible put because of. Because you have have your sins forgiven, now get baptized. By the way, if you've been saved and you got your salvation settled, the next thing you need to do is follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Do it. Every once in a while, I'll meet someone and say, you got saved? Yes. You got baptized? I'm praying about it. We're praying about it. I just want to, want to get the Lord's peace on it. Look, if I told my son this afternoon when you get home, I said, son, take the garbage. I said, dad, I'm going to be praying about it. I'm looking for the Lord's peace on that. Do you think I'm going to be impressed with his spirituality? You've got, a, you've got uh, rooms to rent upstairs, man. I'm not going to be excited about his spirituality. I don't need him to pray about anything. I ask him to do. <laughs> the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 10, verse 48, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. If you're not baptized, you should be. If you're saved, you should be baptized. The next thing we ought to do, it's a biblical responsibility. We want to pray about it. Some people say, well, I'd be so embarrassed. So many people up there. How about Jesus laying on, sitting on the cross, naked, beaten, bludgeoned for your sin and my sin? You think that's going to be, that's going to be a lame excuse when you stand for a guy? Well, I was kind of embarrassed. Oh, my goodness. If Jesus would hang naked and suspended between heaven and earth for your sin and my sins, why in the world would I not want to get underwater for a few seconds and say I'm with Jesus? I've accepted his gift of eternal life. Well, Peter says, listen, what are you going to do? Get saved. Repentance is a word that's used there, and everyone who gets saved has to repent. It's not an, it's not an option. But it's the two sides of the same coin. they got a little coin here. It's one coin, but it has two sides. One of it is repentance. Repentance is basically saying, I'm wrong. God's right. I'm changing my opinion, my life. I'm turning to Christ from my way and my sin, and I'm coming to him. The other side is faith in Jesus Christ. But salvation is faith and repentance. No one gets saved without repenting a change. I'd love to see that when I witness to people and they see the gospel. And they first tell me, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. I say, are you still going to heaven? No. <laughs> no, I'm lost. I'm like, hey, help me do something about this. You know what they do? They change. They repent. They, they change their mind about how to have eternal life. They change their mind about sin. Now it's not just something we all do. It's something I've done. It's something that I need to turn from and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said, boy, you guys are not going to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord. And the Jewish people, of course, John had already been baptizing people. He had been baptizing to repentance to enter the kingdom of God, that Jesus was coming. So they were familiar with that. I remember when Apollos uh, he met up with Aquila and Priscilla later on in the Bible. You'll see that, that he had only known the baptism of John. He only knew that. He didn't know that. So he had, he had to be instructed on that. Then he got baptized into the person of Jesus Christ, and all of us should after we're saved. As we conclude this morning, I want you to see a couple things I think that we can learn from the early church. Let's just go quickly, if we can, beginning in verse number 41. And they, after the message was preached, and they gladly received his word, were baptized. By the way, some people did not gladly receive his word. Some, all of them heard it. Some people did not accept it. There were 3,000 who said, yes, I will accept it. Are you in that group? Have you accepted the gift of eternal life? When you hear the word of God, does it, does it, does it resonate with you?
people, sometimes they hear the word of God and they get angry. No doubt there were people that day who rejected it. God, ah, that guy's just, he's just uh, flapping the soup coolers. I'm not listening to him. But they that gladly receive the word, they follow the Lord in baptism. And that church went from 120 to 3,000, 120 very quickly. Look at the, if you would please, at verse number 42. Read it out loud with you, would you please? We see this, that a local church is a church where the word of God is preached, where people respond. It is where people are baptized after they get saved. They are added to the local church, as we did this morning a few moments ago. But verse 42, let's read it together. Are you ready? And they continue steadfastly and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Listen, you can't get more practical than this. He said, you know what? After they got saved, after they got baptized, you know what they did? They continued. Well, that's a good idea for all of us to do that. There's a lot of jumping off places, and you can find plenty of excuses. If you're looking for an excuse, you'll find one. If this happens again, I'm out of here. You'll be out of here. <laughs> Probably going to happen again. Let me tell you something. It's a good idea, once you get saved, to continue. To continue in four things that the local church would do. Now, I, I love singing, but singing is not in this, four, in this, this group. There are four fundamental thoughts here. So number one, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. They did not have the New Testament at this point. The apostles couldn't up and get up and say, turn to the book of Matthew or Revelation. They couldn't say, turn to the book of Ephesians. They had not been assembled yet. That's why the, many of the spiritual gifts were still applicable in that day. That's why there were healings. That's why there was speaking in tongues. That's why there was prophesying and knowledge and many other things. And I know there are some other folks who disagree with that. But I will tell you, friend, that when that which is perfect, complete, has come, the New Testament is completed, a lot of the baby talk went away. It wasn't needed any longer. That's the Bible teaching. I believe it's very clear on that. However, we find here that they continued in hearing the doctrine that the apostles taught them that they heard from Jesus. You know what we're talking about here? We're talking about the words of God. You know what you ought to do? You ought to make sure you continue in the word of God. You stay close to the Bible. You're going to stay stable and you'll continue. Continue in the word of God. Go to Sunday school. Go to church. Take a Bible Institute class. Take discipleship. Read the Bible yourself. Study it, with, study it in, in your home. You read the newspaper. Study your Bible. Look up cross-references. See a verse that goes with that verse. Well, that's good. That helped me. Don't, don't get things out of context, or you'll get a pretext that's causing all kinds of problems in your life. Stay in the Word of God. Stay continue in the Word of God. Well, as they continue in, you'll see here the second thing the Bible tells us they continued in was in fellowship. And I think that has to do with, with partnership, serving together. You know, there's a, there's a wonderful thing. I want to thank all those who came out to the college on Thursday. Scores of you yielded your time and your effort and your energy to come out and, 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 boy, just do unbelievable amount of work in a short amount of time. Thank God for those who have worked with youth conference. In the afternoon, the teenagers will assemble and prepare lunches and get things together and pray. They'll be praying in here. They'll be praying that God will do something special in the youth conference. That's great. But you know what happens when you do that? Something happens inside of you. It's called fellowship. God didn't make you to be a maverick. He made you to be a sheep, a lamb. Lambs need company. They need a shepherd. They need to be together. He said they continued. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other. We could have church whether you came or not, but it's better because you came. A lot of good things happen. He said these people continued. 
And of course, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, as uh, the writer of Hebrews tells the people, neglect not, not forsaking, the assembly yourselves together. Why do you come together? Because we need each other. How many of you are raising kids now? Would you raise your hand? You're raising kids. You know what? We need each other. How many have already raised your kids? Would you raise your hand? We need you. You got some, you've been down some roads we haven't been at. We need 80-year-old men and 70-year-old men to come alongside and say, hey, listen, you can make it. God helped us. You can make it. We need people who've lost their loved ones to come back and say, hey, listen, it was horrible. God helped us. We need precious ladies who've had miscarriage after miscarriage to come with a lady who's had a miscarriage and say, you know what? God's going to help you. We need mothers who've had stillborn babies to go to a mother who's had a stillborn baby and say, the Lord's going to help you. That's fellowship. He said they continued, and you don't do that just watching online. If you, can, if you can be here, be here. If you have to watch online, God bless you. We're glad you can do it. But boy, if you can assemble yourself together, it's much better. He said, I want they, they continued in the word of God. They continued in fellowship. They continued in breaking bread. I won't spend a lot of time there, but I will say this. I think that is primarily a focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, when he left them, he says, listen, as often as you can, remember my death till you come. It was a time when the people, and of course there were no church buildings like this in Acts chapter 2. They weren't speaking. There was a temple, and they did daily in the temple in every house. They, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. But oftentimes the disciples would take time. In the breaking of bread, they, they wanted to remember Jesus just like we did this morning. We didn't have the Lord's Supper. We had that a few weeks ago. But what we did do this morning, we sang, Jesus, Jesus, there's just something. And I said to you, would you please consider Jesus? If you're looking for success and satisfaction on someone walk around on two legs, you're looking way too low. You look to the Lord Jesus Christ. These people continued in the Word of God. They continued in fellowship. They continued in the person, the focus of Jesus Christ. And lastly, they continued in prayer. Today, we have prayed about four times in the service. We prayed to open the service. We had a teenager pray for youth conference. Brother Jack prayed. Brother Antonio prayed. I prayed in the service. We're not doing that just because it's on the, on the card. As a matter of fact, it's not on the card. We're doing it because Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer. It's a place where people pray. Something happens when people learn to pray. When you get got a problem, pray. Take your care, make it prayer. When someone says, hey, have you seen what happened? You hear what this? I say, let's, let's, just, let's pray about that right now. Let's ask God to help us. He's the only one that can really help us here. Do you hear about so-and-so? Let's pray for him. How about that right now? Let's just stop right now. You and me, let's pray we got people all over this room who pray with each other. And Brother Paul Johnson and Brother Bill Bossinger, they, they pray at 5 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday morning. Get on the phone and pray for God's work to be done. we got beautiful people who go to different prayer meetings and pray. We come to church to pray. When's a, are you praying about things? There's something about a church that continues in the Word of God and in prayer and in fellowship and the focus of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, didn't say one thing about a song. There's nothing wrong with singing. Didn't say anything about testifying. There's nothing wrong with that. He said, but they continued. I think testifying, fellowship, and the person of Jesus Christ is what songs and, fellowship and, and testimonies do. But they made this a continuance. You know, I want to encourage you to be a continual Christian. Be committed to the work of God. Don't, don't flake off. Don't get weak-kneed. 
Don't get squirrely in the brain. I just You're going to find all that you want to find. I would encourage you to say, I'm going to continue in the word of God, in prayer, in the fellowship of the brethren. I'm going to continue in the focus and my attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll never fail you. He'll never fail you.